Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Today, myself and Alex Crook paid tribute to legendary broadcaster John Motson, who sadly passed away aged 77. We were joined by former Arsenal goalkeeper Bob Wilson, who worked with Motty at the BBC. The Times chief football writer Henry Winter recounted his memories of various major tournaments in John's company and commentator Clive Tilsley, along with former Liverpool defender Mark Lawrenson, also paid their respects. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Jim White and Alex Crook, and we're live on Talk Sport this Thursday morning. But sad news to bring you this morning. Legendary football commentator John Motson has died at the age of 77. John Motson commentated for 50 years at the BBC and later for us here at Talk Sport. John has covered 10 World Cups, 29 FA Cup Finals, 10 European Champions and more than 200 England Games. He had done it all in football. We'll pay tribute this morning to John Motson. As I said at the top there, I'm joined by my colleague here at TalkSport, Alex Crook. And of course, Alex is uh, forging ahead with a career in uh, radio commentary and uh, radio journalism, of course. Alex, we heard from your chum and mine, Sam Matterface. This is this is really sad news this morning, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a massive blow uh, for football. I think you said it there, that the voice of football, I think he was the original uh, voice of football in many ways, the sound of my childhood at a time when there weren't so many live games on television, when there were. John Watson always seemed to be narrating them, and when I was playing Sabutio in my back room on my own practicing commentary I think John Watson was the man I was trying to emulate <laughs> I'm sure he was uh, so tributes here at TalkSport on this sad morning are already pouring in we're joined Alex by a good friend of mine and he was a very dear friend of John Watson's um, former Arsenal goalkeeper and then went on to a, a career of broadcasting in his own right it's good morning to Bob Wilson Bob good morning to you well good morning Jim I'm in total shock I can imagine, Bob, and I know this is difficult. Give me your reaction to the news of this, of this man's passing and, and give me your, your take on his contribution to, to radio, television, commentary in the world of football. 
Well, let me start with that because that's where we need to be. Um, it's contribution to broadcasting generally, uh, just truly, truly enormous. I mean, he was John Motson, that is his name, but we all knew him, as you did, as Motty. I got to know him incredibly well at the Beeb when I was in my 20 years at the Beeb before I went off to New Pastures at ITV, my eight years there. We never, ever did anything other than keep in touch. Annie and Motti, we, you know, if there was a chance to meet up, we would meet up. As a guy, as a guy, a general guy, I mean, he, he was, I thought he was quite a shy character in many respects. And it was only, I think, through his broadcasting that the confidence grew in him as a, as a personality. But as for his commentary, you know, we, if you look right back across the Kenneth Wilson homes or the David, Col you know, the, you know, the David Coleman, yes, David yes, Coleman, yeah. Uh, I mean, Motti, everybody knows Motti is just absolutely up there with the very best. Barry Davis, you know, I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm thinking of, you know, so many of Brian Moore, who became such a friend for me and, and a supporter of me when I was at ITV. But, let, you know, with Motti, if I can go back, for instance, to a World Cup, one of the World Cups, I, we weren't sharing a room, but Motti came in. Willow, are you ready? We've got to go soon. And he was always anxious to go because he was so incredibly professional in every respect, right from, from the word go. And Motti, I'll be ready in a second. No, we've got to go, Willow. Come on, we've got to go now. But can I just say and take you back to one of the things that really... Um, he used to come in his early career. When I say early career, it's hard for me to be absolutely accurate on this. But it was early, I think, for him in the match of the day situation and everything. And I think my football career, I'm not sure where I was with that, whether I'd finished it. I don't think probably I had because I did do quite a lot of television work when I was still a professional on the books at Arsenal. But I persuaded the BBC. It was at the time when the first, uh, what do you call them? The, the, you know, the recorders for Match of the Day. Yes, yes. So, 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 and they were huge, great, bulky things. Yes. They weren't slim little things that we have nowadays where you just press a button and two. They were enormous things. You almost had to have a degree in science to, <laughs> to, to switch them on. Yeah. And, and so the Beeb, uh, because at the time I used to do the analysis for all the BBC Match of the Days, and I used to, in other words, came on and then the first game, let's just say Arsenal, Tottenham for a, and then it would be, um, I would zero it on kickoff. I would have the pre-match pictures, whatever it was on it. And then I would go from that to, if it was just a, a 12, 15 minute uh, edit, well, 12 minute edit, then it was, you know, three minutes, um, Seaman makes great save, uh, you know, and I would do all those logs and it was on this machine. And Motti came round to say, look, and it was very much part of the early time of his career. And, and I was talking to him because he said, I need to need more about what's third man running, Willow? What's, what's this? What, what is, you know? And so he would sit with me and I would try and explain, Motti, this is what the football terminology is. Because I was a, a, a full-time, when I say a full-time coach, I was a, 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 you know, fully qualified coach as well. And so we went through this and Motti would sit with me. Uh, he would always talk about my wife, Meg's getting a cup of tea and bringing in too much uh, lovely cake and stuff. And we would sit and we would talk about a mistake by Bruce Grobelar or whatever it might be. Uh, and he just, I mean, we became great friends, Annie and himself. I, I'm so in shock because I'm five minutes into learning that we've lost him. I know, Bob. Bob, you, you know, when he came in here to talk sport, I was just mentioning this to my colleague who's with me this morning, Alex Crook. 
people people were genuinely amazed at how friendly John Motson was, not just to me, but to everybody here at TalkSport. He would say hello to the cleaning ladies. He would say hello to the the two fellas in security and stand and chat with them. Uh, And this is a busy building, Bob, the news building right beside the Shard in central London. He was happy to give every one of his time. He He was so genuinely kind. And do you know, Jim, why that is? He had no ego. Okay, we all have egos to a degree. But I'm telling you, he, 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 you know, because of where he had come from and the way he went about learning to become one of the top commentators, one of the most recognized, one of the, one of the greatest. Come on, this is, this is the time to recognize what, what John Motts and what Motti was to the world of football, um, um, you know, because that is spreading the word. Those guys have huge responsibility. The guys who commentate have massive responsibility. And Motti was was there with the ones I've mentioned to you. Uh, I, I uh, you know, I mean, you've got me at a time where I'm probably, I'm not going to, I'm trying not to ramble, Jim, but I'm just telling you about a guy who, who was, who became a friend. I mean, I live on the south coast at Christchurch. Motti and Annie had a, a flat at Bournemouth. And so we, you know, we would actually meet there as well. And he lived in around the St. Albans, Hertfordshire area, and I lived in Brookman's Park, just near Potter's Bar, for 35 years of my life. And, and you know, it was, it was not just... I mean, you know what it's like in the workplace as well. There, mm-hmm. there, there is huge competition. There's huge competition. Of course there is. Who wants to do, you know, the World Cup final? <laughs> mm-hmm. who, who wants to be the presenter of the World Cup final? Who wants to be the commentator of the World Cup final? It's huge competition, but Motti always had an ability within him. I mean, most of the commentators I've known have been great commentators anyway, but here is a guy who, you know, we loved him dearly, and I think the nation loved him dearly, for, for, and I think we need to recognize the contribution that John Motson made to broadcasting, yes, as a commentator, but to the game that we all love. Bob, just before we go, my colleague Alex Crook wants to say good morning to you yes. and to thank you for your kind words. And I think he's just going to have a few of his own, Alex. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Bob. Lovely tribute. What was it that set Motti apart as a commentator for you? Was it that meticulous planning, those impeccably handwritten notes that we all <laughs> have seen? Or was it that wonderful turn of phrase and that fantastic <laughs> voice he had? Or I guess it was a combination of all three, probably. Yeah, I, I think you've got it. I think it is a combination of all three, Alex. I think it really is that. I mean, the first and foremost thing in his mind always was that he was never, ever going to be lost for words. So he did have, and I, I, was, I was party to this because there was a time when I you know, was either asked to be co-commentator on something and would sit and look and think, for crying out like Motti, you could do a thesis on this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, 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 but he did never want to be short of words. And he, you know, he delved into all sorts of areas. He probably used not even a third, you know, maybe a quarter of what he had actually written down. Such was his preparation. And we know whether it be whether it was cup finals that Motti was given or whatever it was, he was meticulous in his preparation. And that's what it should be for all of us. Mm. I mean, you guys, you know, you don't go on the air this morning without thinking or working last night or the day before or thinking ahead. Motti was always thinking ahead. And, and I think, you know, I, I think there was a nervousness about him that he was ever going to upset 
whoever, Alex Ferguson, Bertie Mee, Bill Nicholson, whoever it might be, you know, in the in the world of football, his contribution, Alex, uh, Jim and Alex, is enormous. Is enormous, and and we, you know, we will the game of football because he helped publicise the game that we all love, and this is the time for us to recognise the greatness of Motti of John Motson. Motti, as I'm sure you're well aware of, is an absolute. Perfectionist. Owens sprinting away to the left here against Lucio. Michael Owen for England. It's a great chance. And he scored. Michael Owen against Brazil in the World Cup. Great knowledge of the game. His preparation. I worked with him in South Africa on the World Cup and his preparation for games was second to none. Oh, what a goal. What a goal. Radford the scorer. Ronnie Radford. The crowd are invading the pitch. Football, for me, goes hand-in-hand with John Motson. He is the iconic voice when it comes to football commentating. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Wimbledon have destroyed Liverpool's dreams of the double. Taught me that it was okay to have a glass or two on the lunchtime of a big game, but you taught me so much more too, and taught me without realising. I wanted to be you, and I still look up to you. Rivaldo's dummy, Always an inspiration, and one of the highlights of my career so far is being invited into your den and being shown all your fantastic memorabilia from a wonderful career. Thank you, John. Oh, what do you say about that? Extraordinary! Every World Cup needs a hero. This man knows a few things or two about commentary because he is one of the best and still is. Clive Tilsley, good morning to you. I know this is tough for you, Clive. Um, how do you react to this very sad news this morning? Well, you heard a clip of um, an interview that um, actually Sam um, interviewed John and I a couple of years ago, um, which was a real privilege for me. I got the opportunity to tell him what I'm going to tell you now, that as a sixth former, I wanted to be John Motson. Nobody else. I wanted his job anyway. And... Yeah, I guess if you were to push me for one person who has moulded my commentary style um, through his influence on British broadcasting, that person would be John. What was it that you admired so much, Clive, in particular, about the way that Motti went about his business? Well, it wasn't his coat. (laughs) (laughs) I actually um, told him several times that I, I felt that the sheepskin coat and the kind of train spotter stato image didn't do him any favors he was a lot lot better than that he was very well researched but he was very well connected too he was he was football correspondent material you know managers trusted him viewers trusted him but he could make a major contribution to any heavyweight football debate he was informed he was authoritative he was qualified i think of him as the first broadcast journalist of football commentary um, you know, he's, he's one of those national treasures, O'Sullivan, McLaren, Maskell, Johnston, Longhurst, Arlott, Tedlow, you, you can go on and on. And maybe some of those greats of broadcasting had richer voices, richer vocabularies. John said it as it was, you know, told it as it was on, said what it says on the tin, if you like. He he was, was well-researched, but he was also, as they say, a he, he knew the story and how to tell it. He was a football journalist, 
a great technician of, of broadcasting. Um, and the enthusiasm that you've just heard never left him. Clive, one thing that's resonating this morning is how friendly and open and courteous and warm he was with everybody, everybody that he met. I mean, I, I, I was at Wembley with him one day and we couldn't move for people who wanted to come over to speak to him and he engaged with almost every one of them. Yeah, and as, um, as a, a young radio, local radio uh, commentator on Merseyside in the early 80s, he would often come up to commentate on a big game uh, and come and have a jar with us um, the night before, chew the fat. I suppose he was... Um, trying to get some local information too on Everton and Liverpool at the time. But yeah, I mean, this was, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call him a hero, but certainly in, in professional terms, somebody that I looked up to and he was spending uh, social time with me. And I, I was fortunate enough to work at the BBC with him for four years in the uh, early and, and mid 1990s. And yeah, John, you know, John and John and Annie were at uh, my daughter's christening. You know, they're, 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 they're close friends. Clive, will you stay on stay on the line with us for a few moments, please? And please feel free to, to involve yourself further in the conversation. Because joining Alex and myself this morning is a man who knew John Motson very, very well indeed and worked with him for many years. I've known this man myself for a long period of time. Mark Lawrenson, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Laurel. Clive Tilsley's on the air with us. Alex Crook is beside yeah. me. Uh, Mark, thank you for doing this. Uh, what is your reaction to this news? I mean, at the moment, we're under siege with people who, in a, in a good way, I hasten to add, who want to pay tribute to, to Motti, and no doubt you will sure. too. Yeah, I mean, there was no one like him, Jim, you know, and I think, as he tells everybody, whenever, whenever he speaks to anybody or told everybody, was the fact that he was really, really lucky in terms of getting his break, which was obviously the, the Newcastle match, the Newcastle at Hereford game. He was very, very sociable. And, and Clive will know all about this, being, being a, a very good commentator himself. He had to get absolutely everything right. Jim, he would be in the tunnels at football grounds and he'd ask anybody who he thought would know the teams uh, the same question. And even when he got the teams, you know, because then he could prepare and sort of, he probably thought about what the team might be and maybe got it wrong. So then he had to change all his... He had this, he had this card, Jim, this A4 card, and it was, there was green writing, there was blue writing, there was black writing on it, and it was all different things, etc. And it was, a, it was, honestly, it was a work of art. Maybe, maybe Clive probably, probably even does the same thing. Well, he probably will, will do. I have unashamedly copied his style of preparation. Comple well, there you completely go. stolen it from John Watson. <laughs> there you go. It's not, uh, good time to tell everybody, Clive. And... and <laughs> And I'll never, and I'll never. He was, he was very social, as, as, as obviously everybody knows. He'd have a, have a drink afterwards, regardless of what happened. He wouldn't be the easiest person if, if you were like a producer with him on the gantry, Jim. He would not be the easiest person before the game because he was just had all these things going through his head. But once he got started, until when he finished, he was great, and 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 he was great fun. But unfortunately, in one of the one of the Euro finals. At half time, I think it was, uh, I think it would be France, Italy, and we're kind of just having a little bit of a chat. And between myself and, and himself, there was a bottle of water which was open, and I just went to grab it and I knocked it all over his notes. Oh my God. He went absolutely apoplectic and looked at me. And I felt, I felt like a, like a three year old schoolboy, like a real telling off. 
and I couldn't think of what to say, and then I just said, Watty, I'm not being funny, but you know all the bloody things that are on there anyway. What's your Oh, lovely, Mark. Yeah, yeah, and afterwards, obviously, we had a beer, in it, and, and it was all good. But, you know, loved his racing, as you'll know, loved his football, and he just he loved talking to people, basically. That really was it. Clive, I'll ask you, and then I'll ask Laurel. I mean, how will you remember Motti, Clive? Um, well, I, I, we were both privileged to know him uh, and as a friend, so you remember people in a slightly different way. You know, when you've when you've had that uh, that privilege. I repeat, the, he, he was the voice of football. Well, well Brian Moore, Barry Davis, John Motson. Yeah. Um, yeah. th- there will never be a voice of football again. You know, with the greatest respect to Martin and and, and everybody else, there are now so many of us, so much football. This was an age when there was probably one television in, in most households and there were no sports bars. We gathered around that television to watch these extraordinary events in our lives, which were the major football games that we will always remember. And we listened to the commentator and what he had to say. And um, John Watson was one of those chosen few who could hold our attention and who we trusted. Oh, Clive, thank you very much for that. Mark, the same for you my friend and it's a yeah. difficult one to sum up in a few sentences but how will you remember him never got it wrong he never ever got the moment wrong Jim no matter what people said about him because he said all about his stats and all those kind of things he never ever got the moment wrong and he was just it was it was fun to be with it was a bit like sometimes though being being out somewhere like in Europe with your granddad because he'd say to me he'd say oh Laurel could you just kind of uh you know, the taxi would come to take us to the airport wherever we're going to the next game. So he couldn't just lift my suitcase into the car. I felt like a chauffeur at times. And like, <laughs> he's, he's, lucky. and he's lucky. And I remember one day, and I think I cut, we were in Switzerland, exactly where I don't know. We were obviously going to go get this flight, just he, he and, and myself. And it was a time when you could actually, you could check your own bag in. Like, and he said to me, you'll have to do that for me. And well, he didn't know that I'm hopeless at all that as well. So I bluffed it. And eventually we, we kind of got through and we sorted it. We, we had a few huffs and puffs and stuff like that. And he walked away thinking, what the hell? And, and as, we, as we went to go then and obviously go through security and everything, he went, oh, he said, I've got some news for you. And I said, what's that? He said, my pre-flight drink has changed. And I said, what are you on about? I said, what are you on about? He said, he said oh, he said, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little vodka before this flight. He, I don't think he particularly liked flying. And he was like, so it was like for me then, the Sherpa, to go and get him a drink find somewhere to sit and make sure he was all right. And you did feel like you were looking after him, but, it, you know, when it was all done, he was, he was absolutely fab and will be sorely missed. And obviously my heart goes out to Annie um, and, and Freddie, etc. So, yeah, uh, we've, lost a bit, we've lost a big personality here, Jim. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Top football writer at the Times, of course, Henry Winter joins us. Henry, good morning. You're taking this, your first reaction to this news. Morning, Jim. Morning, Alex. What a sad day. You know, the, the the voice of football, the voice of our youth, the voice of so many parts of our, our lives on radio and television. And, and Bob, as you said, paid a, a wonderful, um, fitting tribute. I mean, there's so many stories. I mean, everyone's got millions of Motti stories because he was such a character. I mean, I was fortunate to be on the on the road with him covering England and big matches uh, for 30-odd years. And so, so many memories. And when he, when he stood down as a live... TV commentator in 2008. We were out at the the Euros in Austria and Switzerland, and he said, "I'm just having a small leaving do, just to sort of say, to say farewell. Will you come along?" There were about 100 people there, so that's Motti's idea. And they were all huge Motti fans, whether it was television, radio, print, um, former football managers who might have been working out there. And then when I got back to London, I got another message from him saying, "Oh." another small gathering in Chelsea just to sort of, you know, just to sort of say farewell to a few people. And I walked into this restaurant in Chelsea downstairs, very nice place. And there were about 45 people in there. And I was basically what I would call the only civilian in there. They were all top names, managers. I was sitting next to Martin O'Neill, a great, you know, and commentators. I mean, just everyone there. It was just, it was just remarkable. And, and what I loved about Motti is that he was never in awe of anyone. He just, if someone had a passion for sport, whether it's racing or particularly football, he engaged with them. He talked to them. You could be just, I remember when I was starting out, he was friendly. And when I got to know him better and better, he was still exactly the same, just an engaging character. And look, first and foremost, I just thoughts with, uh, with, with John's family and to all his colleagues. I know he worked with you as well as at the BBC. Yeah. And it's just a huge, huge loss to, to, to football. One thing I'll say, and thank you for having me on to, 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 to actually give a tribute, is that what I loved about his commentaries is the way he savoured the the name of the goal scorer. I mean, when, when Balak missed the <laughs> Chelsea game against West Ham, he went, Balak! And it was just, you know, it, there was just this almost like schoolboy enthusiasm, this love of players, this love of the game. Yeah, no, absolute legend. And he never lost that love, Henry, did he? I remember when he was working at TalkSport, if he wasn't required for commentary duty on a Saturday, he would find a game to go to. And it wouldn't necessarily be the biggest game of the weekend. It wouldn't be Liverpool uh, against Manchester United. It might be uh, AFC Wimbledon against Northampton. And he would invariably get himself in the in the boardroom and, and get acquainted with the, the chairman and the chief executive of both clubs, probably have a chat with the manager as well. He just loved football, didn't he? And that came across in his work. Totally love football at all levels and the commentary you paid earlier from 1972, the famous Hereford game. And what I loved about that commentary, because 
you know, there wasn't any great expressions. He basically just summed up the just the sort of the drama and the emotion of the, you know, what a goal, what a goal, Radford to score, Ronnie Radford. And it just, you didn't need to be Shakespeare in a moment like that. You, you know, you didn't need to be Laurence Olivier. You just needed to capture that moment. And what I loved about that is that he, he set up the magic of the cup. But then, and this is what sport should be about, what football should be about, is that he became good friends with uh, Ronnie Radford and Ricky George, who obviously were sort of two of the stars in that amazing game against Newcastle. And they had friendships for life. And that's what sport should be about. So that professional, that personal, sums up John Watson. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.